Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Impact Junkie Show Live, where we are loving people, going places, and changing lives, and we help you be the solution to the world's biggest, hairiest, most audacious problems in the world, and we are so happy to have with us today Andrew Vanderput from uh, the Acton Institute, and Andrew, it's so good, good to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Philip, for the, the opportunity to share with you guys and hear more about what you're doing and share what we're doing at Acton and Poverty Care. Awesome. So we're going to dig deep into your story today, Andrew, as we often do. You're in the hot seat here on the IJ show, and we're going to learn a lot from you. And thank you for being willing to share your story and your experience and expertise. We talk a lot about everyone has a unique story. Everyone has a unique passion, purpose, and calling. And we're meant to do something big in this world. And sometimes it's just trying to figure out what that is. So we want to go through your journey today. And for those of you who don't know, Andrew is the associate director at the program outreach at Acton and uh, is the organization behind Poverty Cure, which is an awesome series you've got to watch and the film Poverty Inc. And if you've uh, been part of the show before, you know, we've, we've talked with Michael uh, the director and producer of Poverty Inc. And Andrew's on that team and helping make it all possible and behind a lot of other things that we're going to hear more about, but a lot aligned with, with the, the impact junkie values of understanding people before jumping to solutions, really trying to understand the problems and who it is that we love. So we're going to dig deep into that today. This is going to be a fun ride. And Andrew's been all around the world from Haiti to Cambodia to Uganda, Dominican Republic, and is going to share some of his experience and some of his learning. We're going to go through the chapters of his life. Of, you know how we, how we do the chapters of your life and pulling out those themes and understanding you and how it starts with you, then to love people, go places and change lives. So we're going to go through the Impact Junkie framework with Andrew. He's agreed to do this and it's going to be a fun, fun ride. Tell us a little bit about, before we jump too deep into your story, tell us a little bit about, give us a sneak preview of kind of where you are now, and then we'll jump back into the, the beginning of, of your story. But kind of give us a little sense of where you are now and the kind of work you're doing and why it's so important. Absolutely. So uh, at Acton, we have an initiative called the Poverty Care Initiative, and I'm the head of that. And what we're really trying to do with this initiative is really focus the battle against poverty and a proper understanding of the human person of people. Uh, so often we see a kind of mis misunderstanding of people, particularly material poverty, as simply destitute, um, without hope, without any potential, et cetera. And so then naturally, if you have that view of people, then your actions will follow that and you'll try to help them in that way. And basically you'll begin to patronize them. Uh, in various ways. And so what we're trying to do is shift that, that view of, of people know material poverty and show that actually these people are made in the image of God. They have creative capacity and potential, amazing entrepreneurial abilities. And we need to see that and start there and then build from there and try to help and serve according to that understanding. And so because of that, we really promote entrepreneurship, business, et cetera, um, as a true means of, of attacking and getting rid of, of poverty, both here domestically as well as internationally. So I get to do this work and promote 
these ideas through conferences, um, through promoting our film, Poverty Inc. and Poverty Cure, um, to different constituencies like students, pastors, uh, nonprofit organizations, um, all over the world. So it's been a, a great pleasure and that's what I've been able to do. Awesome. There's a lot more there and so many awesome organizations that are a part of this. And I love, I know you kind of give us a sneak peek of where you are now and the kind of work that you're doing, which is so valuable. So let's go back and, and kind of talk through your chapters of the chapters of your life and kind of understand how did you end up here where you are now as you pull out those themes. Let's, let's buckle in and kind of go, 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 through, go on a ride here with you. And it starts with you. That's right. So I, I think, you know, we talked about chapters of my life and it's such a great way of, of thinking about it. And I'll have to get, learn more from you guys about this because it's already helping me understand where I've been and where I'm going. But that first chapter, if I were to, to give it a title, would be, would be foundation. So foundations of particularly my faith, uh, being a Christian, a Christ follower, and Jesus is calling for his followers to care for those in poverty and to, and have a particular concern for them. And so that was instilled in me from very young age. My dad was a pastor. And so that's just been there for a long time. It probably got kicked up a, a gear once I was able to go to Haiti. So this would maybe fast forward to uh, the next chapter, which I'd call maybe exposure. So hmm. like many, like many people, you know, poverty is one thing when you see it on TV, when you see it in books, it's a whole different thing when you actually experience it and you're involved by it. So I had the opportunity to be part of a missions trip, like so many uh, young Christian youth going overseas, and particularly Haiti, um, which has probably had more than its share of missions trips. But I was one of those youths that went down probably my junior year, and we went into Port-au-Prince. And this was before the earthquake, uh, mind you. And the 2010 um, earthquake. Right, right. And this was before that. And I and having not really experienced material poverty in my in my life, just that ex extreme, extreme poverty, I was just completely blown away because po poverty has a smell. It has there's there's a it has a sight and it just kind of permeates you. And that was the first time I had ever experienced that in my life. And it really left an impact or made a mark on me. And through that week, learned more about how people live and and different efforts to serve people. And honestly, now that I've learned a lot more and I've kind of had more experiences and have talked to more people probably wouldn't maybe even necessarily go on that same missions trip or at least how it was done now that I know because I think it actually created a lot of issues that hurt hurt the Haitians that we were actually trying to help and so hmm. we're all kind of familiar with some of those those experiences and we probably engage in those activities but that was a big part for me was that that initial exposure and wanting me to to learn more about why, how did this even happen? How, how do, how, why are some Christian countries like Haiti in that position? Why are they, why are they so poor? Why is the United States so rich? And so that kind of propelled me to want to learn more about economics and, and that kind of thing in school, which is what I, what I did. Well, there's a lot we're going to have to come back and dig yeah. into. <laughs> there's a lot there. And if you, if those of you who've seen Poverty Inc, uh, it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime, go to povertyinc.org, you'll, understand quickly sort of some of the things that you, the assumptions that we can easily hold especially depending on where you how you've grown up or the experiences you've had this can it's a film that can really shake you and it's something that all of us as impact junkies are trying to better understand who it is that we love and and who it is that we serve and so i love andrew as you go through this journey you're constantly 
learning and constantly improving. So, so let's, let's keep going, but we'll have, we'll definitely have to come back. I, or maybe we can just pause here for a second before you go on and talk about economics and how that theme started developing. Can you talk a little bit more, like take us with you, like into Haiti. I know you said the smell or the, the feeling, talk a bit about how that changed you kind of like the experience, like what was it that you felt? I know you said it was a, at a younger age, but sort of like at that time, what, what things were starting, like seeds were starting to be planted or the way you were kind of questioning what you were experiencing or what you were feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think just going back to some of those just more visceral images or, or memories of, I've just seen um, people, I remember seeing people and pigs alike going through the trash that this piles and piles of trash lining, lining the roads. Um, going out of Port-au-Prince and I can still still see those images and just having that that thought you know people shouldn't have to live like this this is crazy this isn't right and God just stirring that up in my heart and and um, I think pointing me to the direction of okay you have to do something about it but how this you know, kind of started reflection in me okay so how what do I do and how am I particularly equipped or or, or not uh, to serve to serve people uh, well, so it really kind of started those kind of reflections. Which that was this was my junior. I think the the summer of my before the, my junior year in college or in high school, and so started started to think about college and whatnot, and that that did really impact and drive me to think more about economics and what are the you know the foundations uh, for flourishing that causes cause societies or countries to to flourish materially and whatnot. Yeah. I love that. I got to do something. So many of us, uh, that resonates with so many folks listening and, I, and so many impact junkies. I have to do something, right? And when you're exposed to something like that, we talk about it a lot, whether it's some extreme poverty or some injustice or some problem you see in your own community, you want to do something quickly about it. And that can often lead to Band-Aids or right. being part of the problem, which I know you all work a lot on in your organization and with Poverty Cure and Poverty Inc., which I don't want to jump too far ahead. So talk to us, take us on this journey. Keep, let's keep going through your journey. So you, you're, you have this sort of brewing inside of you, this, the, these problems that you see, these needs, and you know there has to be some way to, to resolve it. So you continued on and you, you had this passion for economics, which is interesting. I think I, a lot of times people, and, and I include myself in this, and this is part of that continuing learning process that we, that Impact Junkie um, try to em emphasizes, and I think it's so, so healthy. One of the things that we want to do uh, sometimes when we want to serve and help people is we think a lot about imposing solutions from the top versus mm -hmm. working from the bottom up. And so I think I had that mindset. Well, and I think, and there's some, there's something to that, but I think oftentimes we're, we're just too quick to jump to that. Okay, well, I need to go into government. I need to go into um, a high level and then put the right policies in place. And then that will, will be what um, really drives uh, prosperity for, for people. And there's some truth to that. There is, and we'll talk about that later. But I think the, the first thing to do in these situations is you get exposed and you have an initial knee-jerk reaction, but you have to you have to stop. You have to stop yourself and you have to learn. And listening to people that are actually experiencing it, listening to people and understanding what the situation really is, because a lot of times as outsiders, we draw the wrong conclusions and whatnot. And so that's kind of been my experience for, for sure. But 
going back to my economics and education, um, I was very much of that mindset of imposing solutions from the top versus the bottom up, which I think more often than not is the way to go. You know, here in our country, we have lots of divisive politics going on because everybody's so emphasized on the national level, the federal level. And while that's important, people need to get involved in their townships, their, their, you know, their state level, et cetera. That's where a lot of the problems exist and that's where you can actually have an impact. And if people are more focused on those issues, one, they'd be more satisfied, two, they'd be more connected to their community and three, they'd be more effective. And so, so all that is all to say is I, I had this kind of dream of being like an economic advisor with International Monetary Fund or something like that. And I think there's, there's some good things there, but I think I've learned through the years that being at the, gra the, the grassroots level and working with like local churches and local organizations, you actually have a presence and understanding on the ground is the way to go. And so while I'm happy for my economic background and still think that's important, um, just wanted to make this point of instead of trying to jump, jump to the top and make those solutions and post from the top, actually working from the bottom up is a, is a key thing to do. And I think something that maybe your listeners could, could think, think about and, or maybe they already have, but just to emphasize and drive that point home. What a great challenge. Absolutely. That, there's a lot more to dig into there. That's beautiful. What happened after, after college or the, you worked with an organization? I think you started working with some different organizations. Right, right. So I had this kind of degree in political economics and wasn't, didn't feel like I was smart enough to do straight up economics and then go on and get like a master's or even a, a doctorate in economics, which is what you would need to do in order to have more of that impact like in the IMF or, or whatever, World Bank. And so really thought, okay, well, I still have this interest in these ideas and those economic principles and whatnot, but just, you know, just as life occurs, I, you know, I got married, we decided to, instead of being DC where I was, we decided to be in Colorado Springs, which is Colorado, which is a wonderful place. And circumstances just led me to this organization, which was a child sponsorship organization, a little bit smaller one. It was a great opportunity to serve there and learn and, and whatnot. And we were working in 16 different countries and I was communicating with the field, all, the, all of our people out in these different countries and had a lot of opportunities to just hear from them and also had the opportunity to travel to the field a couple of times, like Haiti, again, the Dominican Republic, Cambodia, just understand more cultures, understand more where people are coming from, their unique context. You know, obviously a lot of times we, we think poverty is the same everywhere, but it's, you know, it's different in different parts of the same town. Um, so it's, it's very contextualized. And so learning more about that and the importance of emphasizing that context. Uh, was really helpful. So had the opportunity to kind of see those things and also had the opportunity, even now these seeds that growing in me were uh, concerns about sustainability. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're helping people around the edges with, with some things, but you know, child sponsorship is inherently unsustainable. It, it, it has donors giving money and sending it over to, to kids. Can you dig into that just a little bit? Help for people that may not be familiar with what, what you're talking about. Yeah. The suborganization. Sure, sure. So there's a common kind of model called child sponsorship, where usually people from, you know, the West, Western countries here in the United States might sponsor a child. So organization um, has different programs where they have, they help kids go to school or put them through like child development centers, which teach them have education, socio-emotional kind of benefits, medical benefits and whatnot. And the idea is they can really help 
these kids develop and into leaders, get educated, get those, those things that they need in order to slowly get out of poverty and whatnot. So a lot of times you'll have sponsors just give, give money, like let's say $35 a month. And then that goes to the organization, which then disperses that to the field to provide those benefits to the child. So that's the child sponsorship model. But again, as you can see, it requires constant donations over and over and over again, just in perpetuity, like never ending. You know, a child will go through a program and they maybe they graduate from it. And hopefully at that point, they're in university or whatever, and they can kind of sustain themselves at that point. But it is, it's not sustainable uh, overall. Um, but it can be, it can be effective, but again, it's not sustainable. So, and I think the other problem with it too, that's something that I learned more about is the, where, how it displaces parents a little bit and how it would be better to enable parents to pay for all those things for their own children versus somebody else from the West doing that. That's a powerful point. Can you so, that again? repeat that again? Yeah, I think, you know, a couple of people have, have made this point and I didn't really think through it, honestly, while I was working at the organization, but what can happen is when, when, when sponsors are giving money to, to serve kids, the parents are kind of almost displaced because the parents are, you know, they're in tough situations. They're not able to provide as much as they would like, but instead of putting, helping them with their responsibility to take care of their own children, the sponsors kind of take that upon themselves. And I think, and that displaces the parents to a degree, I, I think. And so I think we have to be careful with that. And I don't know if that's, I think there's, sponsorship can be good in different ways, but I think we have to think through that and maybe there are different innovations that, that could help with kind of avoid that. But I think again, what a better, better thing to do would be, how can we help parents create wealth for themselves and their families? So we're not doing, so we're not sending money over in perpetuity, which again is unsustainable and, and just doesn't work and, and harms the dignity, I think, of those parents. I even kind of going on this child sponsorship theme for a little bit longer, one thing that I realized kind of in retrospect is a lot of times when you get a child sponsorship packet, like you're as a sponsor, an organization might offer you um, these different options of these kids to sponsor. It has a nice picture of the kid and a, then a biography of them. And one of the things that was written in this biography, typically you kind of like a, have a typical format would mention how so-and-so's parents didn't have, you know, were a menial laborer and didn't have the means to um, support this child. And this, this kind of theme or this kind of part of that, that biography would just be repeated in every child's biography. Like the, the, the parents are unable, they're not capable. And Wow. I, I honestly did not even see it at the time, but reflecting upon it years later, I'm like, oh my word, like if I was a parent and I had to, I read that about myself, it would just be devastating wow. and disempowering and whatnot. And so I think that's something that, again, we have to think through and, and just be careful of that and honoring, make sure we're honoring the people that we're, we're saying that we serve. What a great point. And I think something that like, as we go through this, we're constantly trying to learn. We're constantly trying to improve. We never can say we figured it out. Absolutely. I think there's also this interesting, if we can keep just kind of digging into this a little bit, it's interesting because you've heard so many people say like, oh, you know, I've, I've, I went and I met my child, like the child that I've been sponsoring. And maybe they do say my child, which also 
brings the question of, well, where are the parents? If there are parents and they're saying, well, the parents, you know, instead of empowering the parents and the family, uh, you come in and it makes me feel good, right? Which is something we always have to question. It's like, why are we doing this? Is it just to make me feel good? Or do I actually care about this need in the world? And mm-hmm. the that I say I love. And in the, in the process of making myself feel good, could I actually be doing harm, right? Which gets back to, we can dig into that a bit more, but it's sort of a repeating thing that we keep hearing. Even going back to your first trip to Haiti, you talked about to experiencing some of these things. We have to be so careful. I like the way you put, we have to be so careful. We don't want to be so afraid that we don't take action. Right. But at the same time, we don't, we have to be so careful. We're not causing more harm. And this right. is a continual cycle, right? And I love right. hearing you say, I continue to learn and I continue to learn. It wasn't, so I did this and I figured, but, and I love that you continued with this, these themes that were rooted inside of you of helping others and love and compassion and, and then economics coming in and you start, you keep questioning. It's such a beautiful journey. And hopefully that's one we're always grappling with. It's someone once said, if you, if you, if you have no questions, if you feel like you've completely, either your problem is too small that you're trying to solve, or you don't really understand how complex mm. it is. And so I love that you're taking us through this and kind of unpacking what was going on inside of your head. So you went, you went on some of these trips. Like when I talk about you, you know what I'm, you were nodding your head when I've heard you've, you know, everyone's probably heard these stories. Like, oh, I sponsored a child for so many years. And then I went there and it changed my life. There's a lot of, you could say there's some positivity to that, but I, I help us help us as you say we have to be so careful kind of for those who didn't spend as much time and haven't worked as closely on it what are some some ways that we can think about it differently i know you mentioned empowering the parents and you've been doing more thinking on this is that sort of the a, a great approach a way to think about how to you know innovate in this space while still having the same like a positive outcome or, or an even better outcome with the family yeah i think there are some innovations that are occurring that i know of uh, within the child sponsorship kind of space. So before I kind of go into that, one thing that I think is, that is really good about child sponsorship is that one thing it is about the sponsors writing letters to their, to the kids and the kids writing letters back and how you really can be an encouragement and a blessing to, to those kids in that way, just saying, Hey, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking of you. Um, and just, just, just that kind of affirmation like hey like you can you can do great things and doing that through letters is a really neat neat thing and builds up a lot of that that need which they you know they may not get from that that kind of thing from their parents some cultures it's just not you just don't do that as much and so it's helpful I think in that way but as far as some innovate going back some of the innovations in child sponsorship and trying to maybe continue to sponsor children and kind of going with that paradigm but also helping the parents I know one thing that that Compassion International does, which is um, definitely one of the biggest child sponsorship organizations, is that they've teamed up with Hope International, which is an organization that I just love, do what they call savings groups. And savings groups are basically, they're a very simple model, but they the way Hope does them is operate them out of local churches. And they it's just a group of like 25, 30 people that just simply save just a little bit of money at a time, maybe they'll buy a share is what they call it. Like it could be a dollar a week or $2 and they, and there's a kind of different rules, but it's amazing what can happen when people are just able of their own agency, able to just save money. This, there's no outside capital that's injected into this. 
but these people just scraping up money that as they can and saving it and it turns into thousands of dollars which then they can loan out to other members of the group at interest and then they everybody gains interest and more revenues through that and this these, these this model is spread throughout the world and i think it's such a a wonderful model that just affirms people's dignity and again kind of in their agency what compassion has done is they've teamed up with hope to kind of do child sponsorship but then also these savings groups as well which i think would help serve those parents and help them build those capabilities to serve and provide for their own children so I think the combination of those models is an innovation that's slowly happening and hopefully expanding. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. I love you mentioned the dignity is such a key part of this and something that is highlighted so well in Poverty Inc. I, I, I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, I guess, in the story, but <laughs> I, it's such a great point that is re- repeated over and over throughout the film and these stories around the world, how to treat people with dignity and respect and one of the things we always endeavor to do as impact junkies is how can we just do life together? How can we respect and, and love, not just say, oh, I'm better or different. It's just we're, we're all given, we, we say do more with what you've been given, right? We've all been given different experiences, expertise, backgrounds, family. You're never really going to know why was I born here and they were born there and all of these questions that we won't know probably in this lifetime. But the question is, what are you going to do with what you've been given? And so how together we can, we can do more and, and try to help empower others instead of doing things for them. I love how you put that. So where, where do you want to go from, so from the child sponsorship organization, what was the next step in your journey? Yeah, I think the, the next step would probably be just learning, going back to, to learning more. So there was the exposure and the direct kind of work with, with an organization, with people in poverty but then, you know, again, that, that theme of continuous learning and, and whatnot. So I had the opportunity to come to, to act in and, and work um, on their poverty care initiative, which I kind of explained at the beginning. And we are versus like a kind of boots on the ground or organization that's active on the ground. Um, we're more about exposing people to the ideas or to the principles that inform positive action. So as again, kind of I mentioned before, how you view the human person dictates your action towards them. How you think about poverty will will dictate how you address poverty. And so that being at Acton has really helped me a lot think through a lot of those things that I I don't think I I had honestly thought through, uh, at least not well. And sometimes too, I think what these conversations do is and what what Acton's helped me do and Poverty Inc. and whatnot is sometimes you have something like that's tacit in your in your head or you, you knew something wasn't quite right. I think throughout my time at that sponsorship organization, I knew there was something not quite right, but then conversations like this or films or resources like that Acton can provide, give people a vernacular or terms to say, oh, that's what it was. Like I knew something was wrong, but that's what it was. Yes. And um, I think that happened for me at, at Acton and my exposure to Acton. Yeah. I've, I've had so many folks have that same experience with watching Poverty Inc., which again, if you haven't seen it and you need to watch it, or the Poverty Cure series is also amazing and working with a lot of churches and faith organizations as well. But it has, you have that moment sort of like, yeah, that's what I've been feeling. And I love that you shared that, like, you know, from an early age, these seeds start of like, something's wrong here. I'm frustrated. 
and I, but I don't fully understand it yet, but I want to do something. And it's that constant, that's that constant place we live as impact junkies is sort of like with trying yeah. to lean forward, do things, but go back and reflect and say, like, are we doing this the right way? That's why it's so important to be with organizations like you, yourself, and, and people like you who think this way, who have this humble curiosity to learn, right? To say, I've never fully figured it out, but I'm trying really hard. Right. And I'm frustrated by what I see in the world around me, but I, I know there's got to be a way to do something about it and I'm going to figure it out. And having that community around you is so important. And so that's one of the reasons we, we have, and we have so many here from different countries joining us today that are wanting to unite and say, I'm not satisfied with the status quo. I want to do something about it, but I have to make sure it's done in the right way. Right. And right. I love that you all are doing that and are helping so many people with that. Right. So right. thank you for the work you do. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That the, the fact that you guys have kind of assembled this global community of people who have shared vision, shared dream um, is just so valuable because there's so many perspectives that people can provide to one another to help them understand the reality and complexity of the, of the problems that y'all are trying to address. You know, if we were all just from the United States or all just from one country, it just wouldn't as work as well. And so to have that, just that diverse um, community is, is so key. And the more, the more that I, I've kind of grown up and learned, like, you know, the more I can talk to people that are completely different than me, the more, the more I learn, the more I understand just the, the complexity of issues and, and where people are coming from. So I'm so glad you guys have assembled this community. Awesome. So last question for a new, maybe a new um, IJ who's just starting out this journey and maybe like you has seen some things they're not comfortable with in the world. They're frustrated by and they want to make a change. They want to do, what, what is some advice you may give to someone who's just kind of starting out this journey and not quite far along on the road as you are? Yeah, I think one thing that one of my predecessors has said is that uh, learning is action. So, so often we think action is action, which makes sense, right? But just jumping in, like we see something that's wrong, at least according to our kind of own perspective, our own, own views, and we jump in without thoughtful kind of reflection before we do that. And so, you know, not seeing learning as this kind of like secondary or thing when you have time, but actually learning being the foundation from which you can launch off from and actually be helpful is, is, is really key. So, you know, just reading, I think as much as you can about these issues, uh, talk to charities uh, is a book I know that you guys require reading for in some of your classes when helping hurts. So these books kind of just talking about how can we avoid benevolent harm or toxic charity and being careful about that, I think is really foundational. I think there are other things that are foundational too. I would really think through, uh, read books like Angus Deaton. He was the Nobel laureate in economics in 2015, I think, and wrote a great book about globalization. And, and then also one of his chapters is devoted to aid and just thinking about aid and how it's in that paradigm. And he has some arguments that kind of, that kind of go against it, but that, that aid mentality, if we can just give enough resources from the West to the rest of the world that, that needs it, then we'll solve poverty like that. There's so much wrapped up in that kind of my mindset that I think we all have a lot of people who first have these experiences, but haven't thought through things, have that same mindset. So to kind of read some of these resources that might be uncomfortable for you, 
but I think will be helpful and will challenge uh, maybe some of your, your perceptions, ideas about what would be helpful. So I would start there with, with learning. And then I, I wish I could do this myself, but I, and I haven't as much, but just go, if you could, if your heart's for overseas or a particular country, go and if you have the ability to spend time there, just learning and listening to people as much as possible about what the reality is. Cause I think you probably don't really fully understand it or, or understand uh, as much as they would and just develop relationships, develop an understanding of that culture. And then once you have that foundation, then you, I think you can start kind of going into that positive action. I love it. That is beautiful. You basically summarize the IJ framework in a very eloquent way there. Really <laughs> fancy, beautiful words to do it. And it comes from a lifetime of experience. I can hear it in your voice and, and I know it from your stories. That's beautiful. I love learning as, as action. I love that. We always talk about leaning toward action as impact junkies. Like we're always leaning towards action. We want to make sure we're rooted in understanding. And so it's so important to go places to, if you love people, you need to go where they are, understand the needs, understand the problems. How can you ever even start to bring solutions to something you don't have a better understanding of? Right. It's crazy when you, when you say it out loud. But it's funny how so many, so often we want to do that. And so if you truly care about something and are passionate about it, learn as much as you can. And then this idea of continual learning is at the core of everything is never feeling like you've totally made it. And we, we have a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and organizational leaders. And as if your organization just starts, if you feel like you've made it, you're just slowly dying, right? <laughs> and so how, how can you make sure you're always pushing yourself to learn more, to talk to more people, to try to better understand and never feel like you've completely achieved. And so this is why we, we have, we hear from people like you, we get inspired, we stay connected because we need to stay motivated to, to continue learning, to continue going places and learning how we can change lives. So thank you, Andrew, for your time today. This has been wonderful. And it's an honor to hear your story. Thank you for sharing. There's a lot more we'll continue to dig into over time and to continue to learn from. And I know it's been inspiring to others who are listening and it's motivational to say, hey, we can go out there and do it. So thank you very much. Yeah, thanks so much for the, for the opportunity and just uh, wish, wish you guys the best and what you're continuing to do. Looking forward to partnering with you further and, and really moving this work forward. So thank you so much.